This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. So I'm back with my friend here, Ken. Um, we taught done some other podcasts, um, and, but today I think we're going to do something a little bit different. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So this time we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some uh, past life and maybe we'll pull some memories out of your hockey career, right? And so I'm living some of it with my four kids now and um, all the same events that you have, and then you actually played to a high level. Can you give... You know, just a little background on some of your experience on hockey, where you came from and where you ended up. So, you know, starting way back when, and that's like four or five years old, and it's just getting introduced to the ice was probably um, something that my parents didn't play. So it was new to them, too. And it was just through a friend. And um, there's something right about it. I actually started out figure skating and had the opportunity to play hockey. And uh, when I say started out figure skating, I literally did one class and figured out quickly it wasn't for me. But um, didn't know at the time that it was going to be such a major part of my life. And, uh, you know, still to this day, it's like, you know, I walk into a rink and there's just a calmness about being in there just because I spent so much of my life inside a rink um, or arena, however you want to refer to it as. Um, but transitioning through it, uh, it's, it's definitely something that well, all sports for me have been something I've, where were easy for me, let's say to I've always excelled. And I got to the point where I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. Um, and, and that's actually what led me to college. I mean, I, I didn't want to, didn't really have a focus on a career. I wanted to play a sport in a college. And at, at the time I figured football would be number one. Um, but then when you start to look at it, Hey, I'm five, nine, I'm only 180 pounds. I can't really go too far being an outside linebacker. So hockey was next and kind of switched gears and, um, had the opportunity to go to prep school. Um, I had a coach who was a football coach, uh, in high school that said, you know, what, what, what's your future? Like, what, what do you want to do? And, um, he was just recently out of a uh, desert storm. And so he had this like big mindset of, you know, work hard. Uh, work ethic, all that stuff. And he's the one that mentioned to me, he's like, why don't you check out prep school? And I said, you know what? I said, I can't stand prep school like that. Like I, that is not the thing for me. And he said, you know, there's different, different schools, you know, and he, he got me to look at um, Bridgeton Academy, which is an all boys prep school up in Maine. And then Trinity Pauling was another all boys school. And then the third was Northfield Mount Hermon. And uh, I think I would have went to Bridgeton. Um, but it was in Maine and I'm in Connecticut and I just didn't want to be way up north. So I went to Trinity Pauling and uh, the things that, that happened there was one was hockey was at another level. Um, but the school and the worth ethic, uh, just simple things of, you know, you had to wear a tie going to school. And I was never used to that. And I mean, I literally bought a clip on tie and wore the same tie for the entire year. Um, but it's just the fact that we had to be dressed. You had to be in time. Effort was number one. And the hockey was the same way, you know, playing at, at a different level, different kids. And that's what really got the, the doors open for me for college. All of a sudden I was getting recruited and went out to Lake Forest in Illinois for my uh, first semester and uh, found out very quickly that a lot of people had gone there to play hockey in a small percentage, not even the 80-20 rules, more like the 
10% of the guys that went there to play were actually playing. So I made a transfer to St. Michael's in Vermont and great move. I had to sit out for a year or half a year during the transfer and then got the player for the following three years. And um, the things that you learn one on the ice, but off the ice and uh, some great exposures. Our junior year, we got to go to Finland and Sweden. Um, some things that I don't think I would have got to experience on my own. Um, all that being said, it, it, looking back, like the flip side is, is that it is like having a second job. And when you're in college, a lot of people don't want to put that effort in. There was a lot of people that went to St. Mike's that, um, that I actually lived with. I think I lived with seven other guys. And by my senior year, I was the only one left playing, playing college hockey. Um, but that being said, even after that, I figured I'd give it a shot and see if I could make this into a job and try it out for many different teams um, in the minor leagues and then got the, um, went out to a free agent camp in Toronto. And that was a, an experience that I'll never forget. I mean, literally driving from Hartford, Connecticut to Toronto with my hockey bag and a bag of clothes thinking like, all right, I'm going to play professional hockey as a living. And you get up there and um, for lack of better words, it was somewhat of a shit show. Like I remember my people that I, I asked for advice to say, you know, if you, if you go up and, you know, you don't need to fight, you can show your talent. And I think it was the second shift, 30 seconds in, I'm in the first fight of the tournament. And that, and that was the thing. It was like you had to do something to be different than all the other people there. Granted, that was uh, that league was the uh, Western Professional Hockey League, which I think now is part of the Central League. But it was a learning experience, a learning experience just to see on the different levels and just to realize that, you know, in the little, let's say, world that you're in, whether it's your college or your high school, and you're at the top of your level, when you start to move up, everybody's at the same level. And that really gets down to what are you going to do to be different or what are you going to excel on? What are you going to market, almost market yourself as, hey, I'm a uh, defensive forward or I'm a goal scorer or I'm a fighter. Um, you really got to stick to what your strengths are and capitalize on it to stick out. So that was, I kind of flew through. The, no, the, uh, no, this is all good stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the experience on the ice. Right. And so what, what are, you know, some things that you remember, like some of the memories that you have um, that maybe were some uh, key moments, not only in your cro- uh, hockey career, but what was really transferred over to the business career and what, you know, what correlations might be there because there's so much that I see in the sport, especially watching kids that, you know, between making decisions faster than most adults do in, in their entire lives and you have to do it in split seconds. Uh, no, no team wins when you have individuals out there. I mean, the list goes on, right? So what are some some takeaways that you have that you could share that uh, maybe transferred over to entrepreneurship and, and business? So, I mean, there's so many places you can go with this question, but just like like off the top of my head, like just goal-oriented approach, competition, strategic planning, teamwork, adaptability, risk and reward. I guess you would call it sportsmanship or ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, but but exactly like examples. Like now I'm drilling down to some yeah. old memories, but I've been at a coach cool. in college that was saying, he'd always say to us, if we had a big game, especially if there's a chance for us to be on TV or something, you'd be like, you know, you, you go home tonight, put your socks in your sock drawer, put your underwear in your under drawer, put your shirts in your short drawer. And I, I never got it at the point. I was like, what is this guy talking about? Like, you know, I was a college kid. I was just like, I'm going to go home and eat a big meal and not do what he said. 
And then it hit me as I got out. I said, you know what? That, that's about preparing for the next day, about setting or getting, getting all your other stuff outside of your, let's say, business life at that time, hockey life organized so you can focus on the goal at, at hand. So I think that moment didn't resonate then as, as it resonates now. And we briefly were talking about before we started this, like we're talking about putting video or, or content on LinkedIn. And if you don't plan that stuff outside of your business week, it, it's almost impossible to do. Um, so that, that, that's one of the probably the, the bi biggest takeaways, not an exact example. Um, but so, so many things where the transition of, of teamwork, and I, I think it's harder as you're younger. Um, to realize what your role is on the team. Um, and I think you see in the professional level where, where guys are, they're not trying to do it all. They're, they're there to, to, to play their role and, and do their job and let the other guys do what their job is. And, and I see it in our own agency where, you know, the, the leadership of, you kind of, you have to delegate, right? And say, all right, my job isn't to be the customer service person. My job is to, create new business. And that means setting new appointments with business owners. If that's the not, not my number one priority, we don't have service. We don't have like, everyone's got their role on our team. Um, I think that's a good parallel to business in any sport, not just hockey. Listen up. Butch wants to give you your own elite benefits playbook. And it's absolutely free from business strategy to benefit strategy. Every step from the start through implementation, account setup, and open enrollment. Working through service requests and the process of renewals. A valuable look at your company, your insurance options, and how to make the process easier on you. Go now to EliteBenefits.net slash playbook and get your free Elite Benefits playbook. Or give Butch a call today, 708-535-3006. You, you had mentioned that uh, the coach tells you you have to do things plan in order and uh, how does that translate? And if it's not in the calendar, you know, it's, it doesn't stick. But so we talk to these employers on ideas and concepts about moving the trend and having predictable renewals, as you say. And so that stuff doesn't happen overnight. It takes planning. It takes execution, right? Implementation, right? There's all these steps that go involved. You can't wing it on the renewal, right? And so we're talking about multi-year lookouts. We're talking about stages or strategies that go into place that you may not be able to do things now. I mean, how many employers have you talked to that are ready to go? They're desperate to get out of the situation they're in, but they're not ready to go full blown on, a, on the entire program that you and I discussed. Um, it's, it, they have to do it in pieces, right? One piece at a time. Let's not tackle this. Let's plan for this. It's the same thing I assume that's on the ice with you, where where like you're not going to go from you know uh, uh, one you know speed to another speed or doing certain skill sets. I mean. Come on, how many people could really have a serious aim with a backhand, right? Like, you know, most of the kids these days, it's blind-eyed uh, blind backhand passes, but it takes a lot of practice, right? And you, in order to get practice, you have to uh, you have to plan for that. Well, I, that, that's that's actually a great transition, and um, mm -hmm. I think with every conversation I have is, is identifying with who I'm speaking to. So whether it's the, the CEO, owner, uh, CFO, or HR, I mean, those are usually my three contacts. Uh, just, just identifying what's important to them. And I, I think I communicate better with the CFO and owners 
Um, because I think they realize that, you know what, it's not just health insurance anymore. It's one of our top three line items in our business. How do we manage this cost? And if we continue to do what we've been doing for the last decade, the last whatever number that is, 20 years um, of treating it like health insurance and chopping costs and cost shifting, well, the cost of our total health insurance is going to double. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not, not having a, a transparency or understanding why it's going up, I, I, I think they're hurting themselves. It, it's, it's also identifying what is important. I was talking to, let's say, a software company. For lack of a better word, they're printing money. So they're not really concerned with lowering their ha- their health insurance still. And, you know, and, and I phrased it as, as, listen, I'm sure if you were to tell you you're going to buy, I, I just use an example, some type of software or 100 keyboards, you know exactly why it's going to cost and what it's going to cost. But when you have your health insurance, it's fully insured. I said, you don't know why it costs what it costs. I mean, isn't that alone just frustrating, even though you're doing well and, and it's an acceptable loss? And that's what opened their eyes to say, you know what? Maybe shifting or changing our funding mechanism isn't the right thing right now, but let's at least understand what we're paying for. And I always go back to the saying, like when you're fully insured, the insurance that you're purchasing, that you're buying for your employees is overpaying the providers three to six times a fair rate of reimbursement. I mean, and and that, that to me is, I mean, I guess it's a great business plan for the, for the carriers, but I just think as the employer, I mean, you're getting screwed. This is where some of the experience, you know, like mine was the military, and there's some translations uh, that move over to the business world. And but you played a lot more years of hockey, uh, and and there's a lot of you know high times and low times, right? And so in business, we have the same thing. We have a lot of high times and low times. So even though sometimes we implement these strategies that help reverse the trend and have control and more predictable renewals, you might have an off year. All right, you know, it's kind of like an off season for you, right? You might have a losing season or Things just didn't work your way and you have to battle through it, right? And then the following year we start moving in the right direction and having better outcomes that we were be able to predict on uh, future renewals. 100%. I mean, um, that's a great, another great comparison with realizing like they, they being part of a team or inside of a season that, that I almost look at the teams that win every game as, as they haven't learned a lot because I've learned the most from failure or the, the times that I've learned. And I remember back in college when we used to like review our tapes from the, from the games and just say, mm-hmm. you know, how can you get better? And you take that same mindset in the business. And I love to ask, I just did this recently with a 300 life company. And I asked them, I said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow a relation here in the Northeast. I said, what could you tell me? Could you just share? Like, why, why, what did we do wrong? Like, why don't you want to work with us? Um, and that was to me like reviewing the game tape. You know, I'm like reviewing mm-hmm. just just to look back at to figure out what it, and I look and I kind of laugh and I'm I'm looking at my presentation and and I'm like, you know what, I didn't make it about them enough. I made it mm-hmm. about how good we were and what we could do instead of asking them the question of saying what's important to them, what's important offering benefits. And there's always some factors that you can't control. You know, it's like the uncontrollables. Um, the relationship may be so strong with the incumbent broker that it doesn't matter what you say, it's not going anywhere. But those that, are that causes trouble too. Um, second opinions are always good, but you would, uh, one thing, I, uh, before we wrap up, I want to bring up, uh, shows shows how old school we are. You're using the word tape. Uh, they don't use tape anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh but, uh, uh, I used to call them films, right? Uh, let's go. Uh, yeah. We got film day going on. Right. And so, uh, they don't have films uh, anymore. It's all 
digital and you can do it from a phone now and some are up in the stands uh at ice rinks the parents or or even coaches they're doing ipads right and when they've some have gone to digital recorders and capture all that right uh so but it also leads into where if you keep doing things the same old way like can you imagine if you're out there with a camcorder today you know, bust it up on the shoulder and say, I'm going to record this. Uh, the eye in the yeah. sky doesn't lie, right? Obviously, technology <laughs> has changed. And then the speed of it, right? Now we're, you're talking about when you, especially when you were growing up playing the sport, you're in order to, to watch the tape, you had to have somebody in the stands videotaping the tape. And hopefully nothing happened during that <laughs> video cut, right? Because you only have one shot. And so the battery, make sure you have enough battery and you have to make sure the tape doesn't get cut or magnetic, um, whatever that damages some of the tape. You got all that stuff. So you have to move in the a different spectrum, uh, obviously, technology and whatnot. It's the same thing we do today is where I was headed with it is if the old school way isn't no longer valid, right? You're still using some old terminology, old processes, old everything and then you expect different results things are getting more expensive things are not as fluid as it used to be you feel like you're just stuck and you can't go anywhere and so obviously bringing up um what we do and um what we do for employers making things more predictable streamlining the process bringing technology to the workplace and just making things a lot easier and more predictable you can run a business better right if you knew if you had a projection that knew in 20 years, and I'm making this up, but let's say it's even shorter, five years, if you could have an outlook of five years that you know what your rating, health insurance rates were going to be close, you know, increases over the years, you could probably make better business decisions. And, and that's great. Uh, great. Another great analogy. It's, um, but what's that saying? You said it's the, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same yeah. thing and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. And when, I, when, I, when you look at it, you know, all, all these potential clients are running through my mind right now that are still fully insured. They're continually happy with a 3% renewal or then when they get a 12, they're like, let's negotiate it. And, you know, you look at that cumulative over a few years and I, I said, you know what, if you manage that better, you'd be so far ahead of the game right now um, by managing your health insurance cost. Um, and I think that's where I like to bring my clients and, and those are the people I want to work with. But real quick before we wrap it up, I just like one thing popped in my head about, you know, like so many going back to hockey about so many people practice their shot or, you know, their scoring ability. And the reality is that 70% of the time you don't have the puck, you know, it's to work on the basis. Like, do you know where you are on the ice? Uh, are, are you practicing your skating skills, your defense skills? Uh, and you can translate that into business where, you know, it's not just about, let's say, winning a new new business. Well, what, what happens after they become your client? You know, what are you expecting? What, what do you what, what do they expect out of you as the insurance advisor or from your team? And that's something that we do here. You know, and I just started initiating this is like as soon as we a new client starts working with us, we send them a letter to say thank you and, and introduce them to our team and what they can expect on a timeline going forward. So that's to me, a very, very similar parallel about not just worrying about scoring the goal or winning the accounts. What are you doing after or outside of that activity? Maybe out of order there when I mentioned that, but it just kind of sure. popped in my head here. No, this is all good stuff. And obviously we'll, we'll continue the conversation about sports and life and obviously employee benefit programs in the workplace. Um, so this has definitely been, uh, been great and uh if, uh if you're on the east coast just look for kenny still skating out there maybe scoring a few goals here and there <laughs> thanks a lot appreciate the yeah. time